0: Welcome to the Millionaire Mindcast, where we broadcast weekly interviews with
1: millionaire minds from across the globe to empower you on your journey of unlocking a rich and fulfilling life. It's time to unleash your millionaire within. Now, here's your host, Maddie A. What's going on, guys? Welcome into today's show. I've got a great guest for you and my brother, Mr. Adam Jason, a fellow GoBundance member as well as... Just an absolute killer when it comes to business. Many of you probably know and are familiar with and have probably enjoyed some coffee from the Green Coffee Company, which is a company uh, that he founded and started, one of uh, Colombia's top two, now moving into the first top dog spot of coffee producers in the country of Colombia, collaborating with the likes of Starbucks and other. Um, leading individuals and companies in the space. And what they're building is absolutely amazing, not just in the co- coffee space, um, but in the arts and you know design and programming and coding space. Uh, Legacy Group has some really amazing investment opportunities that they invest in. And some of the companies that they've built and participated in um, are just honestly nothing short of amazing. And the time that they've had, the success that they've had in these companies um, is unbelievable because oftentimes you don't see too many people, one, you know, catching lightning in a bottle uh, ever, let alone multiple times. And, you know, Adam and his team just have this uh, very fundamentally based approach, which you'll hear about in terms of how they build companies, build brands, build stories, build teams. And when you look at the most successful people, um, you know, the humility and the, you know, reliability and the honesty that Adam shows as a leader, um, I think really exemplifies and, and, and spotlights how many of us, can be more successful in our businesses and our investing endeavors and us building our entire dream lifestyle. And I know you guys are going to really enjoy what he talks about and shares in the episode today on the journey of how he went from being in corporate America to taking that leap of faith, to moving to Columbia, to building these epic businesses in such a short timeframe, what they're doing and focusing on moving forward, how they're navigating kind of the, you know, turbulent times and waters that we, one, are in currently and what he predicts, um, will continue on going forward and, you know, some strategy in here that I think you guys are really going to enjoy. So definitely want to have some, uh, you know, notepad and pen handy for note-taking today. Cause Adam's one of these guys that very calm, cool collected. Uh, but when he speaks, uh, it holds power and it holds weight and, uh, Peeling back the layers of the onion to who Adam is and what they're working on and how they're approaching what they're doing. I think you guys are really going to get some value in today's episode. So with that being said, let's not waste any more time. Without further ado, let's dig into today's interview with Adam Jason of The Legacy Group right after this quick message from today's show sponsor. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like building a bigger pipeline with real customers, leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this deep sales, and LinkedIn has built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get Well, I'm excited to welcome into the show Adam Jason of
0: the Legacy Group. What's up, brother? Hey Matt, how you doing? Thanks for the time and thanks for the the welcome.
1: Yeah, dude, I'm. Uh, it's always fun uh, talking with people that I learn from and and uh, aspire to uh, to be more alike. And you've got some amazing uh, stuff going on. Obviously, a, a fellow GoBundance Abundance brother, um, and just your journey, man. I think is um, is inspiring on so many levels that I know a lot of people are gonna get some great wisdom and insight from which I know we'll unpack a little bit more here today, but uh, for those that don't know who uh, Adam Jason is, how do you describe yourself when you're meeting new people that uh, you want to give that you know context and color uh, around your you know background
0: originally from Buffalo, New York, now live in Columbia, South America. Obviously, I, I think there's some good stories in, be, in between those two uh, no doubt life points there. So uh, yeah, attorney by trade, started my career practicing law, representing Fortune 500 companies, Wall Street banks, worked um, really in public markets, taking companies public, raising a bunch of money, public-private equity, Debt, um, really focused on you know like the Fortune 500s out of the Midwest. So I was in Cleveland for a while. Spent six and a half years there at a at a firm uh, that at the time was the largest law firm in the world. So we worked on some great transactions. Did the IPO for Yeti Coolers, which a lot of people know, just yes. to kind of bring some name and, and things to it. But have lived, you know, there you go, very nice, and have lived. Uh, you know, kind of around the country and eventually made the shift down here, but spent some time in Dallas working for the same law firm. My kind of transition point, I guess I'd say in life and and professionally as I got a job offer to move down to Houston When I was in Dallas, I had a month in between those two jobs and, you know, my background really growing up in Buffalo, small town, like it it wasn't a thing really for people to travel or take years off and go see the world. And, you know, I was very cookie cutter in the sense of high school, college, graduate school or work or whatever it might be. So had that month, decided to, I guess, take advantage of it, do a little bit of world exploration, found Columbia. Kind of on a whim, I guess I was learning some Spanish at the time and I heard some good things about the markets and potential investment opportunities, the weather, the lifestyle and just said, you know, I want to try my hand at kind of living someplace else and, and just go someplace for a month, learn the language a little bit, kind of see what it feels like to live outside the U.S. So took advantage of that month, came down here to Medellin, Colombia, where I am now, Started looking at some investments, understanding the market a little bit, meeting people that were doing some interesting things. Got connected with my now business partner at Legacy Group, who at the time was starting the Green Coffee Company. And for, you know, we'll dive into that, I'm sure, a little bit later. But basically, uh, through that opportunity, started seeing kind of what the market had to offer in terms of basically industry transformative type plays that could be made in a market because of a historical lack of investment. But that's kind of a a later thesis and theory of kind of what we're we're playing on. But I went back to the U.S. after being down here in Colombia, worked at the new law firm for about 10 months. I was really at the point in my career where you say, do you go partner at the law firm I've been almost about 10 years at that time. Do you go and work in-house for a client or somebody else in the the market? I did some interviews with Brown Foreman, which owns Jack Daniels. I was looking at going up there. I did some interviews with Bridgestone in Nashville and just did not feel a, a strong calling to kind of go work for somebody else. And always had a little bit of an entrepreneurial itch and wanting to apply the skill set that I built through kind of the big law firm background and working with these high level clients and apply that practical knowledge to grow our own businesses, really. So, looked at where I was, decided this world of corporate America, big law would kind of always be there for me if I wanted to come back to it. So, January 2018, I moved to Columbia. Full time. After you know, a couple of months of selling all my stuff, sleeping on an air mattress for a couple of weeks, and just and just took the dive. So been here, you know, just just past the four year mark, happily married to uh, the Colombian who I met down here, who's fantastic. And then we're really taking off from a, a business standpoint. So I hope that's kind of a journey some people can relate to, or at least uh, see that you know these kind of outside the box types of avenues from, from people from, you know, small towns outside Buffalo are, I guess, possible.
1: I, I, dude, I, I didn't realize that you went out there in 2018. I thought you'd been out there a lot longer because one, it's just insanely impressive what you've covered and, you know, the ground that you've covered in four years and kind of that think if anything, what, what it shows me and hopefully, you know, shows other people is like, you know, you go after something that you're really passionate about you take a risk and you got the right you know variables in the equation i mean success and upside is you know infinite and and limitless you know do you feel that same way and how do you kind of unpack and look in the rearview mirror of how much ground you've covered you know obviously i know you got massive goals but i'm just curious on your mm-hmm. perspective of the amount of ground that you've covered in the time frame that you really
0: pursued it you know i i think i, I things happened for me in the right way in the sense that, you know, when I was going through this transition and deciding what to do, I didn't have tons of responsibilities from a family perspective. I didn't have kids to worry about. I didn't have to think about, well, if I move to Columbia, where are my kids going to go to school or how are they going to adjust with this? Or I didn't have a wife at the time. So part of it was, I guess, um, a little bit of right place, right time. And, you know, these kind of new and ventures hitting me in the, in the time that I could actually take advantage of them. But the one thing I've, I've really learned over the last couple of years is that the, the world is really in, an open place and there's opportunities out there. You know, everybody has kind of their own goals and things they want to do, but the possibility and, and the chance to build businesses, live overseas, do different things is, is very possible if people are willing to take that take that leap. I think that probably for myself, the people who are listening to your podcast, you know, we all have a good skill set. It's not really the decision between, well, if I do this, then I'm out of the workforce and I can never go back to it. It's really here's my skill set. This is always going to be there for me. I want to do something a little different uh, and and go for it. And, you know, really, what I've seen for people who are like thinking about whether it it makes sense most of the people, like if you're coming from traditional corporate America, I'm looking for something. All the people I talk to who are still in that world are almost kind of like jealous and envious that they haven't done it. So if anybody's worried about uh, how is this going to look if I you know, need to go get another job again or do these kind of things, I'd say most people don't have it in them to, to make the kind of Jumps that you know your audience and yourself and you know people in your in your world are, are talking about and thinking about doing. So it's almost a uh, a resume builder, and and certainly from a opening your eyes to new experiences, new worlds, new cultures, ways of doing business, you have to, it's not something you can get from a book. So, you know, try it for a month, try it for two months, whatever it is, and just see if it's something that you can leverage and take advantage of. If not, you know, the the world will be there for you. you you Yeah, You have to embrace it.
1: Yeah. I was, I mean, most people that I look at that have had some, you know, big, you know, life event that seems to be what kind of set them off on their, their path to success. It always started with taking a risk, right? Yeah. And I'm always curious at how successful people break down and analyze and move through risk assessment. And, right. you know, what was your process as you were going through that? And and why did you land in Columbia? Why Columbia?
0: Yeah, I think the risk assessment was kind of what, what I mentioned before of, you know, there's how many law firms in the world, you know, I've worked at two of the, I guess, better ones or at least biggest and had great clients and great experience, have great references. So, you know, what, what's what's the risk? I go and try something else for another, for, for a year and I don't like it and I go back to that and then I know, then I know what I like and don't like. So to me, the risk was very low. Again, if you have kind of other people that are going to be impacted greatly by the decisions you make, maybe the risk calculation is a little bit better. Obviously, a lot of the things that you talk about in terms of having a good financial picture in front of you, where you know you can afford to take those risks, you're not dependent kind of on uh, the job that you have right now. You can afford to take some little a little bit of time for exploration or to build a business or do something different. I mean, not everybody's journey has to be, you know, leaving the country or moving someplace else and right. learning a new language, but just explore the things that you really are, are focused on and that drive you, you know, giving yourself the flexibility to to do that, I think are important. What are again, your... Lo-
1: oh, sorry. I, I, and before you answer the Why Columbia piece, yeah. I w- just before we move on from that is... You hear the burn the boats, no plan B type of mentality. And then, you know, it's interesting because the more I unpack some of these risks that people take, depending on if they're just, you know, fresh out of they're super young, they don't have any downside. That that's one thing, right? Burn the boats, you have nothing to lose, you got plenty of time. But then there's other people that are at different points in the journey that, like you said, whether they have a family or they have financial responsibilities, or there's more downside that they have to think about. Um, what I hear oftentimes is, no, there was a plan, there was strategy, and there was things that were thought out and thought through, one, as potential safety nets and risk mitigators and you know things that can protect if you need to fall back on it to then give you permission to free up that mental headspace to just go after, right, and pursue it. It was that, that that sounds like it was a little bit more of your approach.
0: I mean it was, like I said I spent a month here just getting a feel for the market, you know, do they have good healthcare? Is it some place that you can I guess just manage or is it some place you want to be? Do you like the lifestyle? It doesn't have to be, you know, I've never been to this place before and I'm just going to Go do it. You know, you could if you have kids in school, take take a month and travel and try living in a place, get an understanding of what the school system's like. See if you can start making some connections. Maybe there's opportunities on the business side. Maybe you can start building kind of a bit of community that you can come back to. I think you know it'd be a little bit ridiculous to just be burn burn the burn the boats, I guess, and say I'm not uh, going to plan around this. At all. And then definitely the financial question is always is always critical, whether you're 24 or 36 or 40. You know, you might just have more responsibilities than you did when you were than you did when you were 24. But it's it's worth the, if nothing else, it's gonna be a learning experience for you if if what you're thinking about doing is you know, exploring other markets, living overseas a little bit, or even doing it for a couple couple of months a year. And there's just no replacement for opening yourself up to new cultures, new ways of life and, and getting a feel for what that, what that is.
1: So as you made it out to, you, you had your plan, you got out into uh, Columbia. How did all of what now we see as a massive success begin to unfold for you? What, what did you do first?
0: Well, I appreciate you saying that. There's a lot more work to be done, and you know, it's only been uh, it's only four years. But I'd say, you know, connecting with the 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 right people down here. You know, my my business partner who I mentioned was starting the coffee company at the at the time, being have having, I'd say, some reputational currency with a lot of the people and clients that I work for for ten years coming. Into this where I, you know, as we build businesses and we're raising funds and we're looking for growth opportunities, I have a decent, I'd say, Rolodex of people that I can look back to and and ask for support or guidance or connections, whatever it might be. So always valuing those uh, relationships and, and taking them with you. In a sense, that's that's been that's been critical. And then I'd say kind of really going all in on the ideas and and things that you're looking to pursue. So we do that both monetarily and then from a time and and focus perspective, you know building the businesses and and um, kind of standing behind everything that we're looking to create has has been has been crucial.
1: That's awesome. And what did the first, you know, Kind of inflection point of growth and success look like for you?
0: You know, from a from a purely business standpoint. So, just for for context of where we are. So, Legacy Group is our is our investment firm. You know, we're focused primarily on bringing foreign capital, and when I say foreign capital, I mean basically non Colombian investment into the country. So, foreign direct investment into industries and businesses that are growing here and. With the with the idea being to open up some diversification both across industry, geography for our investor base, call it 90% US folks that are looking for opportunities, but still want, I guess, call like a US feel from a private investment standpoint. So, you know, the the, the backgrounds that we have by by training and, and these kind of things. I'd say probably the um, I don't know if I could identify like one. Specific moment, but I'd say you know we were we were early on in the in the four years we we're we we're doing a lot we we're we we're focused on uh, hospitality and and hotel projects in Puerto Rico we we're building the coffee company we we're looking for investment opportunities outside of those kind of main pillars um, and then last year we sold out of the the hospitality business took the money that we have and, and rolled it basically all into what we're doing in in Coffee and then some of the portfolio business that we do from an advisory standpoint. But I would say the focus was, was critical, You know, not um, trying to build multiple silos at one time, but really going deep on the things that we, we saw the most opportunity on. And, and specifically, I refer to what we're doing with the, the Green Coffee Company and, and attracting a lot of foreign investment there, building great relationships, building a strong team, and really focusing instead of trying trying to play multiple levers at at one time.
1: Well, and it sounds like too, by keeping that narrow focus Mm -hmm. and and really getting those roots deep and strong, it gave you the ability to then start seeing the branches come off of that core, you know, pillar of success for you guys in the beginning. And what does Green Coffee Company look like today versus where you started with it? And what would you say was the greatest
0: ROI on your skill set over that course of time? Right. You know, we started the business back in 2017. It was really just an idea at that point around... Consumption of, of infrastructure in the coffee space and building a, a basically alternative investment product to commercial real estate, something that's collateralized, that that has a, a modest yield that provides some diversification and some 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 touch on commodity markets and you know, agriculture. What we've seen over the last couple of years is the business can be run in a way where it has the high growth potential where you would see in you know traditional business building so the ability to work with high level clients the ability to get to public markets the ability to return multiple times on on invested capital it's really become the focus rather than you know a um a cash flow yielding play so since 2017, we've grown the business to become the second largest producer of coffee in all of Colombia. This year, we'll get to number one. We've brought about yeah, crazy. We've brought about thirty million dollars of equity capital into the country to invest in the business. You know, we've hired a really a world class management team. We have the best infrastructure in coffee. I would I would say on a, on a global basis, not just in. In Colombia, and that's bringing us a lot of attention. You know, we're—I we're, was two weeks ago in Costa Rica visiting with the head of research and development for Starbucks to see what kind of joint venture opportunities exist between us. We're having conversations with Nestle. Some of their representatives are coming to visit us here in Colombia. Getting more and more attention both in country where some of our team is meeting with the president which kind of speaks to kind of the the opportunity in the in the market versus trying to do something like that in the in the US yep. you know you'd need a lot of capital a lot of influence it's just it's just a lot it's just a lot harder so what we've seen is coffee in particular you know it's the, the national product of Colombia at the same time basically nobody's invested in the industry in 40 years before we kind of came along. So everything is very decentralized, very fragmented market, very old technology, very old ways of, of doing business where everybody's just thinking about kind of the next dollar, or the next trade. And we're trying to build something for the long-term that can provide a lot of value for, for our investors. That's an attractive target for a Starbucks or a Nestle or for the US IPO markets. Um, and that has a great kind of sustainability story to it that can live up to the mission and everything we're trying to build through through legacy group in, in general.
1: How important is that story? like how, how much time do you guys really focus on that and craft that and invest in that in overall timeline that you're talking about, right because you're not just thinking about today you guys are really skating to where you think the puck is going yep. and obviously strategy of today, is heavily thought of in terms of where it's going to take you tomorrow. What does that look
0: like for you guys? Planning ahead and strategically kind of leveraging um, sustainability and building a business for the future, I think is critical. Whether your target is IPO investors, retail investors on the NYSE, or you're talking about Starbucks. Why do I say that? You know, right now the world is really more transparent than ever before. People are focused on ESG investments and disclosure around that. But even more than that, I think what you're seeing is, you know, building a business with a strong sustainability story. And I can give you some examples of things that we're doing at at the farms and here in Columbia in general. you know, those not only are necessary, but they add tons of value to the business in the uh in, in the long run, both from a financial perspective in terms of cost savings, increased production around coffee, but also the perception of the business in the market. You know, we saw a lot of companies just in the last year as like the ESG focus has become more and more important, you know, green investing or sustainable investing. A lot of these companies are getting hammered because they're doing things like what's called greenwashing, right? They say we do all these things for the environment, or they're super general about it. And then people Look into the business more, and it's proved to not really be true, or their carbon neutrality is kind of offset by other pollutants that they're doing in another side of the business. So, thinking about these things are, are critical. Also, if we're talking about, okay, we want to sell the business to Starbucks one day, right? What's happening in public markets and legislation and regulation in the U.S., but also globally. Companies are being required to understand better their supply chain, required to make disclosures around that now. They basically need to know the partners that they're doing business with. We're operating in a market where, as I mentioned, very little investment in that, very little investment in employee rights, very little investment in... Environmental safety and all these kind of things, where we're setting ourselves apart in the market. Where you know, if Starbucks wants to participate here and they want a call it jump start in terms of building and acquisitions and development of infrastructure, we're going to be their only option, yeah. frankly, uh, to be able to, to to meet the demands of a continue continuously more regulated and and transparency demanding market.
1: What do you, I'm curious, how do you think about your evolution as an investor, as a business owner? And, you know, most people, right, hit that, I forget what the statistic is, but it's a staggering amount percentage-wise of businesses that really never break that million-dollar threshold, right, as yeah. top-line revenue, let alone 10, let alone 50, 100. Right. What has been your evolution as an investor, as a business owner? And what are some of the things that you've had to like top grade for yourself to continue to break through ceilings and kind of normalize them
0: as your new floors? Mm -hmm. I think it's a focus on like if you're talking about business building. It's it's a focus on it's a focus on fundamentals, right? We're not a coffee business if we don't have good coffee. So let's invest in the infrastructure, the planting techniques, the team that's required to be able to do that. And then you gotta find the capital, which really means being able to tell the story well enough. And show people what your vision is and, and get them to rally behind that. And that can be a lot of stakeholders, whether it's, you know, the local communities that we're in who have to believe that these gringos coming here are really doing things in the best interests of their, of their cities and towns and, and things here. Or it's, you know, our investor base and educating them on the opportunity that exists here in Colombia and showing them that we have the experience and background to get there. But I think, you know, you're seeing it if you're looking at it from an investment standpoint, the market correction that we're experiencing right now in, in public markets and private markets. To me, it's really, again, it's a um, it's a misalignment of an understanding of business fundamentals. You know, you have a company trading at 100 times revenue is just not it's just not real. So I, I don't know. You know you know i'm not um i'm not saying you know investing is is easy but I, I do think that there are certain things that you know if you stay within kind of the uh the zone of fundamentals you know businesses that have a, a good sense of profitability or good paths to profitability that are controlling their expenses that are in a in an industry that's continuing to grow and uh, you can get things at a at a Reasonable price, you're going to do okay. It's when you're chasing asset classes that are sharply rising, and you're hoping there's one other person that's going to buy after you. That's where you get into. That's where you get into trouble. But you know, you 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 know, you know real estate. You know that market. A lot of your folks will know that as well. And if you buy at a good price, it's it's really hard to over the long term uh, to suffer too much. Yeah, and I think that that's. As simple as it sounds, you know I think people want to overthink it a lot. As, as simple as that sounds, I think that that you know will continue to hold true.
1: Yeah, it's it's such a great point, right? Because it, really, it's so emotionally driven for a lot of people. But when you look at institutional investors or high level savvy investors, right, it's all about the fundamentals. It always comes back to the fundamentals and and the metrics and the vital signs of what tell us, you know look good and safe and healthy over the course of the long term, which that, that's the key word there is long term, not not the short term. And I'm I'm curious of what kind of the big, you know, audacious goal is for we'll just say green coffee co. I know you guys have a lot of other exciting opportunities in inside yeah. Legacy group as well. But what is kind of, you know, cause that would you consider that your baby? Is that is that the baby? Is that the big, you know, one that you guys Think is just going to continue to grow and grow and grow and grow over the long term. And what does that look like for you guys?
0: That's, that's the flagship for us, for sure. I mean, that's the one we've brought in the most outside capital for. But, you know, I'm sitting here at uh, Polygonus, which is another one of our portfolio companies that my business partner and I seed funded a couple of years ago. These guys went from three creative guys in a room to 100 employees here in Colombia focused on education, creation. I think last year, they part of the business model for them is teaching... Students in the, in, the, in the city here and really throughout the country now, uh, how to use technology, how to write code, how to you know, participate in movie and video game design, it's going to have a major impact on the community at large that is necessary to continue to build this ecosystem.
1: Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors
0: You have market dynamics here in Colombia where a lot of people don't have the luxury of taking four years and going to a public university and studying. A lot of people are, you know, Their families are dependent on them for the next meal that they have and these kind of things. So the ability of these guys to basically be training a community, I think, speaks a lot to what we're hoping to do and kind of the legacy we're trying to leave, both within the Green Coffee Company, where we're focused on sustainability and employment and treating employees correctly, but also kind of the education of the community as a whole and opening new opportunities for people who are here. Now, so for example, the this group here at Polygonus, this year we're going to be launching basically our own Y Combinator equivalent. So myself, my business partner, are going to put some money into the business so that as students go through their academy. people can either come and work here if if they get through the academy and do a great job but if they have entrepreneurial ambitions of their own we want to be there to try and support those and see more and more entrepreneurs rising within the the country which only give the country a better image on a on a global basis which will only spill over into however many other benefits you know are out there as as kind of um the tide raises all boats here
1: I love it and what yeah. what, do you, what do you see as from your perspective one of the missing links that most business owners entrepreneurs investors never fully grasp that really just caps them from having that big breakthrough
0: having capital is important you know understanding what the role of the ceo or the leaders of the business really are i think it's it's critical that You know, you're not too quick to be like handing over um, control to a sales team or these kind of things. You got to know the fundamentals of the business and really start it yourself before you're starting to delegate off responsibility and and these things. I mean,
1: is that is that an issue where like ego comes into play? Where it's like, oh, I'm I'm above this now. Like it's got it's got to get off my plate. Or how do you balance that? Understanding of the business and handing it off versus earning the right to kind of, you know, leverage yourself out of those things with the right people in place that allows you to go and grow and continue to, you know, forecast vision and those things. Like, what are your thoughts around
0: that particular issue for a lot of business owners? I think it's critical to know the needs of the business and then what talents are needed to be able to derive those results before you find somebody who's going to execute on that mm. for you i think it's always important to be very involved in the business you're trying to grow you know we talk to investors and they they ask us every number we have to basically know everything that's going on within our businesses and if you're you know involved in multiple Companies, multiple opportunities, multiple projects. You can fold on your business. What do the expenses look like? What does our burn rate look like coming? Up, what are the skill sets I need to do this? Who do I need to hire to fill this? You know, how am I going to source talent and do all these things where I can in a responsible way hand things off to other leaders who may very well be better than I am, but I I know what they should be focusing on and and doing on a a daily basis. And we're still getting there across all the businesses, making sure we have the right talent, filling new needs, making sure that kind of the businesses we have are, are scalable, meaning having the right people, systems processes involved. Uh, everything, everything takes time. So patience is, is critical. And then fortitude. I mean, we don't know what we're going to see with markets coming up here. We don't know kind of what the world might look like with the hostilities that we see on a global basis now. We don't know what kind of impacts inflation might have on, on consumer spending habits and all these kind of things. So yep. being patient and prepared, I think, is, is critical.
1: Yeah, that makes total sense. And I do want to get your overall perspective on kind of what you're seeing and thinking and feeling about the markets ahead. But you talked about something that I think is really important. Um, And obviously, it's succeeding through others. It's talent acquisition. What what is your guys' mindset and approach for acquiring and retaining the best talent in your companies?
0: It would like us to see a little bit of uh, focus, focus more on it. You know, we've we've done well in terms of hiring a great a great CEO for the coffee company, you know, 25 years in, in, in agriculture here. The founder of Polygonis where I'm sitting now is just an incredibly bright guy who's going to change kind of the, the the face of technology and the market here in, in Colombia. So in a way, I'd say we've we've been we've been fortunate. Um, but I think, you know, now the transition we're making is our job is becoming more of, of, of finding talent versus, you know, focusing on how's the next bag of coffee going to get sold or what's the specific terms of the next deal we're going to do and more Mm -hmm. focused on who's the right person to find us those opportunities. Who's the right person to, Along with us, be kind of a front-facing person with respect to managing uh, investment and you know looking for additional portfolio companies for us, and you know that's a, a I think the right role to be in as a leader is is focused on putting the the right people around you, and I think that becomes the the job more than anything else in giving the right people kind of the ability to to, to run.
1: Yeah, and that kind of tied into my next question in terms of you know you you identify the right people they obviously need to have the right infrastructure the right systems tools resources to go and succeed in that role right to help yeah. you scale how have you guys approached creating infrastructure and systems being that that seems to be something that really caps a lot of businesses right it, the systems either live up in the business owner's head and therefore nobody else can really help them at scale accelerate the results and outcomes those systems often provide how have you guys attacked infrastructure building within your organizations
0: you know i'd say it's it's continuous it's a continuous learning process and continuous process of, of getting better and making additional additional tweaks. We've we've had great CEOs that you know can manage the businesses on a on a daily basis from everything from how do we find, you know, how do we find new talent? What's kind of the interview process? What's the onboarding process and educating people on the build the business? How do we get people how do we get people into the to the culture that we have, and people that are able to understand the values of the business we have, and, and because of that, able to make independent decisions on on what can take the business can take the business forward. So I think it's being very clear again, kind of what I mentioned of what's the mission of the business, what are our values, what purpose are we trying to achieve, what role does everybody have, and then letting people be. Entrepreneurial. You know, we have a lot of guys on our team in the coffee business, for example, that are sourcing new opportunities, finding new buying points where we can buy additional coffee, looking at other markets and saying, hey, we should look at farms here, thinking about where acquisitions might be, thinking about additional revenue sources. You know, one thing that we're focused on this year is not only selling coffee, but how do we transition all of the byproduct that we have from the coffee process into additional revenue sources. So we're exploring alcohol production, for example, uh, ethanol distillation, fertilizer use, all these different things that require kind of input and, and insight from people with engineering backgrounds and all these other, all these other things that that come to the table. So again, it's setting the stage and then allowing people to be entrepreneurial and some of the stuff we just continue to learn on the, on the fly. Like uh, we could, we could tweak this here and it would be better or, you know, um, maximizing efficiencies that sometimes you don't, Pick up on until you see kind of the weaknesses in them as as you're as you're putting them into practice.
1: Yeah, right. Now that makes total sense. Clarity often is is just created through the action itself, right? And that that constant yeah. feedback loop and reflection, and and obviously having like systems and frameworks though that allow you to make those tweaks and adjustments along the way. Yeah, um, instead of just flying by the seat of your pants, right? You guys yeah. have some method to your madness of optimization over time.
0: Of course. I mean, like the the fundamentals of the business, you know, how do we meet? How do we make decisions? What are the, you know, obviously a lot of uh, agriculture is about processes and procedures and planning mm-hmm. schedules and all those things. So, you know, it's to be the same thing if you're in real estate. What's my process for sourcing? What's my process for making an offer? Who do I use from a, for renovations? Who do I use right. as my real estate agent? You know, having all those In place, I I don't think I don't have a um, perfect solution of like, oh, you should use uh, asana or whatever to do these things. But it kind of comes together, and it's important to obviously, I would say, understand and study patterns. Um, What what uh, you know, what's appealing to our customer base that we can double down on? What's the best? Way we can be using the money that we're bringing into the business after we've done some experimentation. You now, what's the kind of person that fits in our in our system kind of the best? Who are the kind of people that we want to work with? Or from an investor standpoint, like you know, our our message and what we're trying to do. Who does this? Who does this most appeal to? What is the demographic that that most you know is, is attached or with that it most resonates to all—all all these little things that sometimes require experimentation, documentation, a little bit of investment, a little bit of testing. It, it just—it's—I think it's—it's it's a part of the building process that just takes time and and paying attention.
1: Yeah. Now I always believe everybody's got some superpower that they bring to their business that nobody else can bring a level that they can what is your superpower that you feel you bring to the business that nobody they they just can't touch adam
0: i think maybe it comes from my uh my my buffalo roots but you know, no nobody there really has much of an ego. It's like you know, you go to everybody used to say like you go to New York City and everybody wants to tell you how much money you have. You you go to Buffalo and everybody wants to tell you how poor they are. So it's kind of a different different mindset. But you know, not having any and uh, I guess a big ego allows you to learn from other people. Understand, listen. I think it's critical for me. It's been my relationships over the years. You know, I don't think we could have gotten done a lot of the the funding that we've we've done recently without the relationships bringing people into the into the team uh, that I've known for for years who are helping us on the, on the U.S. front with what we're doing. I say, you know, kind of a um, be, being being hum- being humble, not not having a uh, a big ego keeping my eyes and ears open to what other people are saying and what, you know, markets are telling us that we should be, be doing without being stubborn in my own kind of um, point of view or, or vision. Uh, I think that would be, I guess people who know me would probably think that that would be true. And I, I can feel the benefits of, you know, kind of living a, a life based on those for.
1: I, I love that though. Cause I think humility is one of the greatest and most relatable and connectable qualities because ego drives division humility creates connection in my opinion and sure. you noted something that i think almost all successful people have which is a lot of equity built up in relationships mm-hmm. do you have a particular framework or outlook or or methodology in terms of how you approach and build and maintain your relationships or is it just kind of natural and it is what it is to you?
0: I'd say reliability and honesty are are, are the two biggest ones. You know, if I tell people I'm going to do something, I, I do it. There's not a lot of reason to kind of bend truths or, you know, whatever it might be. And just, I don't know, looking out for other people, small things like, oh, I haven't talked to you in a while. How are things? Or calling people and, you know, asking about family and friends. And I don't know. It's just the little things that you, you know, building, I guess, call it, as you said, relationship equity over the year by being a good person and trying to find ways to help others. You know, now, fortunately the position we're in, we're seeing other people that are building businesses. I mean, how can we help with that? Things like we're doing with GoBundance, you know, there's a lot of people in the group that are looking for growth, um, personal wise, business-wise, can we give opportunities there? You know, it's... uh, I guess going through daily basis with that mindset and just trying to be reliable and honest, that is, is, you know, one that you don't have to strategize for much. That's
1: the Buffalo, New York way,
0: bro. It is. It is. <laughs> it is. The superpower question, uh, I guess put makes me uncomfortable just at the thought of it. Yeah. So I guess that's the, the answer to the,
1: <laughs> No, that makes to total question. sense now, do you like to focus on your strengths and just continue to double down and lean on those? or is there ever any spotlight on certain weaknesses that you feel you want to challenge yourself and maybe just personally, or, hey, this will really make a big difference
0: in the business if I sharpen my axe here this year. How do you approach that? There's things I'm good at. And there's things I definitely know I'm not very good at. you know, I, I depend a lot on uh, my business partner first. you know a lot of like the um, I guess, accounting stuff and all these other things that, you know, just uh, he, he did M&A for PwC all over the world. So why am I going to try and duplicate this this skill set instead right. of just le- leveraging leveraging my own? So, you know, I, I'm much like you in the sense, you know, we always want to be learning. We always want to be looking for new opportunities, but you know, for me it was okay, I have this legal background. How can I add a lot of business to the, a lot of value to the businesses from that perspective? I have a lot of these relationships. I've seen great businesses get built, get to public exits, sell for billions of dollars. You know, what did I learn throughout that process? I think with that, I can add a lot of a lot of value where I don't have to continuously be trying to stretch myself into, into new things. Um, but I've definitely learned over the years to be more deliberate, more patient, take time to think through decisions. Uh, so, you know, the, the the fundamentals of how to execute the skills I have, I think I continue to work on, you know, how to be, I guess, a better speaker, how to be more, um, how to understand markets better how to grow as an as an investor and and business builder all all these things that just i think come with education experience meeting the right people expanding the relationships you know you and mm-hmm. i connected before and looked at some deals and stuff i mean it's it's all uh building blocks from from one to the yeah. next but i think it is important to do what you do best and and go deep on it for sure i'm not a big believer in diversification in in any sense when it comes to uh you know personal investment or um business or you know investing in, in assets either
1: yeah no that it, it always seems to be a common response um but every once in a while i hear somebody say something maybe a little bit you know against the grain and i'm always curious on that but you talked about you know understanding and knowledge and perspective on markets and i want to get your individual perspective a little bit on where you think we're at right now and where we're headed and what some of the you know opportunities and risks that people should be thinking about or talking
0: about could potentially be sure yeah so we're talking in in mid may here 2020 we've just seen you know one of the larger i guess corrections from a market perspective pricing perspective than we've seen really since like 2008. I yep. think some of the statistics show that the amount of the amount of wealth that's been lost in the markets just in the last few months is actually greater than the amount of wealth that was lost in in 2008. So we're seeing, I'd say, a huge kind of correction in terms of valuations. I think there was way too much money pumped into the system in response to COVID. I think you had a huge asset bubble in in almost every asset class. And then you continue to always have the same effect of people want to dive in. When the momentum is going in the upward direction, and one person adds on to the other, I yeah. mean, even to the point your point earlier of like the the institutions and the big guys, the, those guys are arguably the worst culprits of, of all of this. You know, setting because those guys are the ones that set the market. Whatever you and whatever you and I put into Apple today is not going to affect how high it goes or however much we put into crypto. But these guys are driving these huge. Asset bubbles, sometimes there's very little risk on their end. You know, they're getting paid either way. But then you have the fundamental error that people always make of kind of chasing, chasing valuations when they're not justified. So I think you have a lot of wealth that's going to be lost. A lot of the wealth is probably not wealth that anybody really earned, anyways. I think a lot of it was, you know, printed money that got pumped into the system. So there's a little bit of a reset going on, but I think it's. Time will tell the impact that I think I think the the one out there is the inflation issue and how much that's going to affect people on a on a day to day basis now that they're, you know, have less money in their in their pockets, potentially more issues with respect to credit. But I think, you know, it's going to be challenging for for people, I think, to adjust with to to what might be a a new normal. I, I don't know. If there's going to be a price reset for the things that people are are buying on a daily basis, just because the the market's lost a lot of a lot of value in in the recent weeks, so I, I think it could be it could be tough. I think there could be some. Restrictions on capital deployment, especially into businesses that are, I would say, you know, overvalued, or we're kind of some of the, we're seeing it with some of the the beneficiaries of the stay-at-home mm-hmm. economy through through COVID. But I do think that people with strong businesses, strong fundamentals, good profitability, paths of profitability, low expenses, there's still money out there, and those businesses would, will, will, and 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 should get should get funded.
1: Yeah. It's interesting to see. I said this about two years ago was it's going to be interesting to see once the dust settles, uh, how things shake out. And I think we're now starting to see the dust settling, right? With the Fed kind of you know, taking away this once in a lifetime liquidity that people almost kind of just got brainwashed into thinking was normal and the market's going to keep going up. And then now all of a sudden, right, like you said, we're seeing a lot of, you know, capital come off the table, you know, moratoriums are being lifted. Like life is somewhat getting back to normal, but without all of those safety nets in place. And the reality of the situation is people are going to have to face, you know, the music of what decisions they did or didn't make over the last, you know, 24 to 36 months. And a lot of people, I think, uh, were maybe leaning a little bit further out in front of their skis than they should have with, you know, um, props that, you know, are no longer there anymore. So Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be interesting and opportunistic from many certain perspectives. But I think, right, People are going to have to definitely learn to weather the storm and, and sharpen their axe in certain areas and be, you know, intelligent. And let the data help, hopefully, drive some of their decisions instead of <laughs> what most people do on the retail side, as we both know, which is just riding that emotional train. And uh, that, you know, that that tune is going to change, and we're already seeing it change. The shift has not only happened, but it's continuing to swing further in that direction. Where do you think the economy is going? And you know what we're going to see in terms of the next twelve to thirty-six months.
0: You know, I th- to your point, I think a lot of what we're seeing now is just it boils down to like the fundamental human psychology of uh, of a lack of patience. I mean, how many people do you know that when COVID started, they said, "I'm not going to spend anything. I'm going to sit and wait for prices to drop, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna scoop things up like or." Maybe the opportunity that I missed in 2008, but I saw it happen, and you know, I heard stories of people buying all these properties at foreclosure and making a fortune. And then as time went on, and we saw prices rising and markets rising, and people say, "Then I'm going to miss out on this if I don't participate." Or I'm incentivized to participate. So funds that have to deploy capital, VC companies that have to invest in startups at ridiculous valuations, or they don't get the the fees from their funds, or they're on a t- Timeline of, you know, I got to deploy in two years, so I'm going to chase these assets. I think now we're going to be in maybe a, a forced patience um, where businesses that are built on sloppy fundamentals are going to are going to really struggle. Companies that were not protective over the last few years in terms of making sure they had enough capital available to them um, are going to be chasing capital now probably at lower valuations to to what they previously raised money for. I think you know there's potential for some reset in the in the real estate market as interest rates are yep. are start starting to rise. Um you know there's going to be There's going to be impacts, whether you're talking about layoffs and and that impacting people. I think you're going to have issues with uh, inflation that that are going to impact people, especially if you combine that with concerns around around employment. I think you have, which is sad to see in in a way, maybe a psychological change that has gone on in, in a lot of people where, you know, working is not a priority, or all these different, like um, I guess, kind of quick and fast ways to make money have become like the the way they go about things. You know, or NFTs or yeah. betting on cryptos or chasing these things. Where like those those rising prices might not be there for them anymore for, for a couple of years. You know, I I don't know exactly where it'll go, but, you know, when you lose that kind of value in markets that we've seen and people start doing a little bit of belt tightening, it's going to have, it's going to have an impact. So, you know, really we, you know, the, the, the conversations we have with our businesses is, you know, strong on the fundamentals raise more money than we think we're going to need because we don't know exactly what's going to happen in the economy keep yep. keep valuations reasonable so that basing uh, money that's uh that's not out there for us you know people just have to be more disciplined now and yeah. it's it's going to hurt it's going to hurt a lot of people
1: yeah so as we as we wrap up today what are some of your personal investment focuses and where you think you might be allocating funds or opportunities that you guys are paying attention to
0: yep we just uh, we're kicking off the, the series C funding round for our coffee business now that one we're doing about 25 million in, in additional equity my business partner and I are gonna put a million dollars of our own money into the into the business to nice. support that to support that raise. Uh, So really, you know, we make big bets on ourselves. We can see the businesses kind of like, you know, basically insider trading on what we're doing because we have the most clarity into into, uh, the businesses and what the the growth plan would be. So a million bucks will go to that. We're going to start the incubator here with Polygonus, the tech company that we have to support some of these new and up and coming startups. I think we'll be we are in the market now for additional investors who want to kind of join us on the the ride with Green Coffee Company. Uh, And then, you know, we'll see if more opportunities come up. But I'd expect that we are adding on different arms to the things that we're already doing and continue to provide value that way. I'll be I'll be probably sitting out of public equities. For a little while. I think actually might now might be a good time to buy, but you know, we like to put all the money into the things that that we're doing, uh, basically to to you know show us invest support, but also just think they're the best opportunities because we you know, we get to mold them with our own hands. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, it makes total sense. I mean, at the end of the day, when people ask me like, Hey, do you invest in, you know, this person's syndication or that deal or this deal? I'm going, you know, when you're the horse running around the track, you know, and you can jockey up on yourself, I'm going to do that 10 out of 10 times. Like you said, knowing the you know fundamentals of my own business model, everything that's going on behind the curtain and under the hood, and so um, that makes total sense to me. You know, in terms of what you guys are doing, especially with the rocket ship that you guys are on, and I know a lot of people are obviously going to want to learn more about Legacy Group. They're going to want to engage in potential opportunities now or down the road with all the great stuff that you guys got going on. So, where is the best place for them to learn more about Legacy Group and
0: what offerings you guys have available? Sure. If people are interested in our in our current funding round uh, for the green coffee company, we're looking at like we're projecting about eight to 10x on invested capital. So it could be interesting for your market. It's definitely a, a growth play, more so than a uh, cash flow, but you know, exciting opportunity there. You can find me, you know, personal basis at my emails, adam.j at legacy group.co or you can go to Legacy group.co Leave your information for investor relations, and we'll contact you. Uh, and then, you know, we're pretty active in terms of podcasts and chatting with you guys. For guys in, in GoBundance and our, you know, connected network, they can always find me. Find me there. So, uh, a lot of exciting things ahead. Hoping more and more people are coming down into Colombia, seeing the exciting things we're doing here. Love meeting people in person, showing them the opportunity here, and you know, we'll continue to be be at the forefront of, of building opportunities.
1: Well, we will uh, link up all of that information in the show notes at MillionaireMindcast.com on Adam Jason's episode. Adam, brother, it's always great connecting with you. I mean, you are exactly... You highlighted some of, you know, one, your expertise today, um, which is really only scratching the surface, but two, I think your humility and just your ability to just consistently execute... Um, says a lot about who you are and you know what you're building, where you're going, and obviously what you've already accomplished. So big congrats on all the success, man. And uh, appreciate you taking the time to share with our uh, Millionaire Mindcast family today.
0: Thanks so much, Matt. I appreciate the time and the kind words. It was a, a pleasure doing it. Well, that wraps up this week's episode. Hopefully
1: you guys enjoyed that interview. And if you did, all I ask is that you share it with somebody else who maybe needs to hear this today or that could gain some value from something that was talked about or discussed in today's interview. You just never know one piece of information, a conversation, a tool, a resource can completely transform and change the trajectory of someone's life or their business. So if you get any kind of value or you want to support the show, all we ask is that you help us organically get this in front of more people. Also, for those of you who are really looking to accelerate your wealth building journey and unlock more financial freedom, get more time back and just Level up your life, your business, your finances. Be sure to head over to RichLifeacademy.com to check out all the amazing products and resources that we offer to our Millionaire Mindcast family, whether that's one-on-one coaching with me, courses from our guests, all kinds of free content, downloads, checklists, upcoming event info, and how you can connect with us live, in person, all kinds of great valuable tools. You can get that over at richlifeacademy.com. Last but not least, I always wanna know, who do you guys wanna hear me interview next? let me know. Shoot me a text at 844-447-1555. With that being said, until next time, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March 2 million and beyond. Cheers, my friend.